The scripture reading today is from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The word of the Lord. Good morning, City Church. I'm excited to be with you all this morning to share out of the book of Acts. As you know, I'm one of the directors at City Hope, a longtime ministry partner of City Church San Francisco. Uh, we've just recently become our own 501c3, so we're excited to enter into this new stage of partnership with the church. Um, City Hope provides a living room for those without enough living space. We have a community center for our unhoused neighbors, as well as a two-year transitional sober living home located in the Tenderloin. Um, the month of May is really the time when we highlight this partnership and when we share with you the work that City Hope is doing in partnership with you. And so I'd like to start this morning by showing you a quick video of um, what this past year in COVID has looked like for City Hope, as well as our hopes and dreams for the year ahead and our partnership together. So let's watch this video to start. My fellow San Franciscans, The city has been working to prepare for what we know would be a significant public health challenge uh, here in the city and we are seeing it play itself out uh, all over the Bay Area and all over the world. What we are asking for everyone to do is to remain at home for your safety and the safety of those around you. These measures will be disruptive to day-to-day -day life, but there is no need to panic. Again, let me reiterate that the time now is not to panic. Again, this is not a time to panic. We have always been a living room for those who have no living space. A place where our neighbors could eat a good meal, find a shower, and be in community. 
When the mayor gave the shelter-in-place order, we knew we could no longer hold the community that we love the same way we always have. We had this overwhelming dread that many of the guests we serve just wouldn't make it. There were so many questions, but we knew we had to keep going. Before COVID-19 hit, we were already addressing a crisis. The original crisis is the scarcity of housing. COVID-19 created a crisis on top of a crisis. So we got to work. When most had to isolate, our team got out there. And through all this, our staff and volunteers remained undeterred. We pivoted our entire operations and started serving our guests outdoors. The line grew and we held the line and actually increased our service as the need grew. More meals were served, more grocery delivery routes were added, more support was given to those in the City Hope House. Members of our sober living program have been more susceptible to relapse and overdose because of the stress of COVID. We were the San Francisco nonprofit that remained a steady presence and never stopped supporting our most marginalized neighbors. <laughs> When our city reopens, we'll find that a lot has changed. Many of our friends have moved away and many of the restaurants and community businesses are gone. But one thing hasn't changed. It's the original crisis. Our friends are still living on our streets. That has not changed. We will be opening new doors for the community. Providing sacred spaces, which will allow us to expand services to our neighbors. We will also open our original doors even wider than before. I can't wait until we can welcome all of our friends into our space again. When that day comes, we will play an important role in reconnecting San Francisco. The pandemic has taught us a lot. It magnified our need for connection and it highlighted the long existing injustices in our community. City Hope will be a place that calls us all toward our deepest values of belonging and equity as we care for one another and sacrifice together in this new city. During this very difficult year, City Hope never stopped serving our neighbors and we never stopped planning for reopening 
and we're excited to welcome our guests back into our space as our city reopens. We're excited to welcome them into a new space downstairs, which will allow us to double our capacity and go even deeper with our community connections and deeper with our resources to our neighbors. During the month of giving, we are looking to raise $350,000 and you can be a part of our success. With your help, we'll be able to offer more resources to our neighbors here in the Tenderloin. We're excited to open our doors wide to our community and provide people with even deeper connection and resources. You can be part of that. Join us for the City Hope Month of Giving. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the video and that it captured for you some of the spirit of, again, City Hope's year um, and our dreams going forward. We're excited to enter into this new season of opening our doors even wider and going even deeper with our neighbors. Um, today's scripture passage calls us to do this work of going wide and deep and the promise of the Holy Spirit to empower us in this work. Um, so let me open us with a word of prayer and then we'll dig into the book of Acts. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the work you have given us. We thank you most of all for the Holy Spirit that you have given us in order to be um, your presence in the world. Lord, we thank you for the ways that you have walked with us. We thank you for all the ways that you're faithful. Bless this time this morning. Help us to hear your word and then to go out and live your truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this uh, section of Acts, we're in Acts 1, verses 1 through 11. Um, Jesus has resurrected from the dead, and he spends 40 days with his disciples, reminding them of God's promise. And um, I, I love that Jesus does this. After years of being in ministry together, he knows that this is still a difficult transition for his disciples. And, you know, when we think about it, even if you've had the heads up that, uh, you know, your your longtime friend is God and is going to die and rise from the dead, it's still, it hits differently <laughs> when it actually happens. And so the idea that Jesus knew that and knows our humanity so well and walked with his disciples in this season it's just um, just tells us a lot about Jesus' connection to us. Um, and the reality is that he wanted to remind them of this message because it was too important for it to be lost, um, even for it to be lost in the grief. They needed to reconnect with their friend, with their Lord, and hear once again the message of the kingdom of God. And this was a message of liberation, a message of wanting to um, connect with God and to be freed from the oppressions of the world. And it's interesting to me that the disciples' response to Jesus' promise is, Lord, will you at this time, as in finally now, restore the kingdom to Israel? Uh, the disciples in Jesus are an oppressed people. They live in the in an oppressive empire. They are treated as second-class citizens. And for generations, for generations, the ancient Hebrews had been praying to God for liberation. And so that was the question that they had for Jesus. Is this now the time? Is this our tangible today liberation? Is it coming now? Um, and Jesus redirects them to something bigger than today. And his response is, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons. 
Um, and previously I'd read this as being, you know, slightly dismissive, like they're asking something that is so dear to them and so dear to their families and something, again, that they had fought for for generations. Um, and Jesus said, well, don't worry about that. Don't worry about the times or the seasons. Um, but after this year of COVID, I feel like that's been one of our major lessons, right? That it's not about the right now. It's not even about, um, it is about the right now. It's not about the the next year or looking ahead. Um, and this year has really shown us that, that we can't really know what is to come. I know that at City Hope in 2019, we didn't know what was about to hit us. We were trying to start a new partnership with the city and it was late 2019 and we're like this is rolling along great and then 2020 hit like a ton of bricks and we had to pivot fast and hard um, to serving our neighbors um, in a in a food line instead of being able to welcome them in and then even as 2020 came to an end and early into 2021 we're still, I mean, we're going week to week and month to month trying to figure out how do we live into our mission right now. Um, and this is certainly true for me personally, and maybe for a lot of you. Um, in November of 2019, kind of on a whim, I was like, I'm going to go visit my parents who live on the East Coast. And I had no idea that that would be the last time I would see them for the next year and a half. Um, I didn't know there was a lockdown coming in 2020. And then 2020, I had no idea that 2021 would bring us our fourth child. Um, that was not on my radar, and yet that's what God provided. We just we don't know what is coming our way, and yet I'm still, even with those two huge life-changing things, uh, one a hard thing and one a gift, um, I'm still tempted to try to guess and grasp at 2022. Like, I'm still finding myself thinking, like, well, next year it'll look like this, and you know, the reality is that I don't know what's going to come. Um, and then we can zoom out and think society wide, right? And so something like racial injustice, a huge issue. Um, I was with you all in early 2020, praying a prayer of lament um, about the murder of Ahmaud Arbery. And together we prayed as generations before have, has, um, have how long, oh Lord, that was our prayer. How long, O Lord? And for the answer to be, it is not for you to know the time or the seasons, is hard, and yet it redirects us in a way that can be actually really healthy to step back and not think about just today or tomorrow um, and, and to figure out how to step into that journey together. Um, Willie James Jennings writes, Watching Jesus and watching for Jesus was and is, so still for us today, a significant temptation for Jesus' disciples. Such watching can easily undermine the priority of the journey. And we hear that same echo in the admonition of the angels at the end of our verses today, where they ask the disciples, why are you staring up into heaven? Jesus has given you your mission. He has given you your call and what you're supposed to do right here in the here and now. So instead of trying to find the time and the date of a completion, whether it's a complete restoration of liberation or whether it's Jesus's return or both, um, looking and focusing on the here and now journey that God has provided us. And it's the kingdom of God as Jesus modeled it. And that is what he reminded his disciples of for 40 days. And that's what he's reminding us of. Um, Jesus made space 
for those who were marginalized. That was one way that he modeled the kingdom of God. And this was, um, there's just countless examples. So uh, working and, and being close with and being in relationship with other ethnic groups like the Samaritans, welcoming women and children, welcoming the disabled and the sick. There's his converse, Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well. Um, there is the woman who approached Jesus with the bleeding condition and it needed to be healed. And she was a pariah in the community and people didn't want Jesus to waste his time on her. Uh, but Jesus made space for her. He said, let the little children come to me. Um, the tax collector, also a pariah within the community, Jesus invited himself to his house for dinner. And the list goes on and on of the ways that Jesus broadened and widened the circle of acceptance. And there was one time when I was having a conversation with a good friend of mine about women in the Bible, and she was just like, there's just not that many women in the Bible. And I was like, well, compared to other texts of that time period, there's so many women in the Bible. And the fact that they're named is Jesus widening that circle of acceptance. I mean, even Jesus's own life, it was witnessed from beginning to end first and foremost by women, which was just unheard of in his time. So Mary, his mother, the first being told by the angel about Jesus' birth, um, the coming birth, and uh, Mary Magdalene being the first to hear of Jesus' resurrection and then going to tell the other apostles. Um, so Jesus was constantly widening the circle of acceptance, widening the circle of who belonged. And that is one of his witnesses of what the kingdom of God looks like. And that's what he wanted his disciples then and now. So us, that's what he wants us to step into. The other way that Jesus um, spoke of and shared and witnessed to the kingdom of God was by drawing near to people in solidarity. He went beyond simply making space for people. He identified with marginalized people groups, so he himself was from a marginalized, oppressed people group. And so he aligned himself closely with the marginalized. Um, and I would say that we can do the same, whether it's your own people group that's oppressed or whether you can be a genuine ally, a genuine um, partner, um, a genuine follower to um, support and um, uplift the voices of the oppressed? How can we align ourselves with the marginalized? Um, we see it in Jesus' friendship. Again, the examples are, are kind of endless here, but I'll give you a few of them. You know, Jesus' friendship with Mary and Martha, the meals that he shared with them, the sorrows, um, death that he shared with them, as well as the joys of life. Uh, and then there's like bigger structural things. So when Mary Magdalene went to anoint Jesus and the religious authorities were like, she's a sinner, she shouldn't be here. Or when the woman accused of adultery was going to be stoned, Jesus used what we would today call social capital, right? To challenge the power structures. He used his own power to stand in the way and to reorient and to say, no, that's not the way we do things. Yes, this person is welcome. Yes, this person is part of God's kingdom. Um, his solidarity was not superficial. He knows us deeply, and he wants us to witness to that kind of deep love in the kingdom, because God's kingdom is both wide and deep. It welcomes all people, and Jesus knows us all personally. And this was the kingdom that Jesus wanted the disciples, and that he wants us to witness to, right? The disciples' question was about their own restoration. When will the kingdom of Israel be restored? Their own liberation was tied up in that. But Jesus wanted more for them than that, which 
in our own human minds can be like, well, what more is there? Jesus wanted the disciples empowered by the Holy Spirit to actually be restorative witnesses for the liberation of all people, not just for their own liberation. Um, there's a saying that in various in various ways has been uh, used in multiple movements over um, generations, really, and that's the the idea that none of us are free till all of us are free. Uh, some version of that has been spoken over the generations with this idea that our um, our fates, our lives, our dignities, our liberties are all tied up within each other. And this idea of liberation is not, again, not a superficial one, but rather to be free to live in the fullness of God's image, to truly believe in the image of God in all people, and then to restore both systems and relationships um, to bring about this fruition of the kingdom of God. And that is the witness, the example of Jesus. It's the gift of the resurrection. You know, the disciples said, when will the kingdom of Israel be restored? And God said, well, don't worry about that. Worry about the, um, the coming of the power of the Holy Spirit and what you are called to do with that. And you are called to be witnesses, restorative witnesses to the world. And so, you know, how it's helpful to reflect, I think, you know, when we think of big picture things, to then step, step back and reflect, well, how has Jesus gone wide and deep for me? I know for myself, there have been times when the circle belonging just was not wide enough for me, um, whether it was because of my gender or because of my race or because of something else, I didn't belong. I was othered within that space. And it has been a gift to me from God to know that his kingdom is wider than that, that society's um, closed circles don't reflect the reality of the kingdom of God. Um, and likewise, there have been times when people haven't felt like it was important to go deep with me. And I'm, I'm sharing these um, in a very real sense and in a general sense, knowing that a lot of you, if not all of you, have experienced that in one way or another in your lives, space that you entered into that didn't feel big enough for you or didn't feel like it honored you in your full personhood and whoever you are and whoever you're bringing to the table. A time when you have feel ignored or othered or simply left out. And that may have happened in your family. It may have happened at work. It may have happened in church communities you've been a part of. Um, and it's a reminder to us in this text that Jesus is calling us to something much bigger. He's calling for all of us to be restored and to have the power of the Holy Spirit to restore others into that relationship too, because his kingdom is not restrictive. His kingdom is wide and it is deep. And so if our liberation is truly tied up with one another, and if Jesus' ascension sent us the power of the Holy Spirit in order for us to be those restorative witnesses, then the next question is, how is Jesus calling you to be a restorative witness that really seeks the liberation of the people around you? Um, how is God calling you to go wide and deep? Um, I was recently having a conversation with one of our ministry partners, and he asked me, well, where do you see Jesus at work at City Hope? And the first word that came to mind to me was grace. Um, and that is, and I could have outlined our programs and that sort of thing, but at the root of it is really grace, right? It's grace that we extend to our guests. It's the grace that our guests extend to us and trust. It's the grace that we extend to each other as a team, as we together try to move towards the kingdom um, of God and the kingdom vision. Um, 
and the reason I thought of grace is that it really is an echo of Jesus's wide and deep reach to us and to the world. So when we are gracious to our guests, we're expanding that circle of belonging. We say everyone is welcomed, respected, and celebrated. When we share meals and when we listen well, we're going deep with our neighbors. Um, when we, um, you know, pivot around COVID and when we try to bring people into deeper partnership and help them um, find housing um, through the City Hope House and then through permanent housing, when we bring together our guests and our volunteers, we're seeking the restoration of the city. We are moving in solidarity with our neighbors, um, with all of our neighbors, um, and bringing us into deeper relationship with each other. Um, and I see it in the way we interact with each other as a team, when we interact with our volunteers, and when we interact with our guests. It's a restorative witness in the Tenderloin. It's seeing God's promise of the power of the Holy Spirit to really widen our concept of the kingdom of God and to go deeper with one another in the relational way that Jesus calls us to. Uh, the person who initially asked me this question after I answered him said, well, sounds like the Tenderloin is where Jesus would be hanging out. Um, and that sounds about right to me. Um, so as we close today, I'd like to invite you to come hang out with us in the Tenderloin to join in the work. I know a lot of you have already volunteered and we are thankful and look forward to seeing you again soon. Um, for those who haven't been able to come out yet, now's a great time um, to join in our work in whatever way feels right to you, whether it's volunteering or helping us partner with your employer or whatever the case may be. Um, we'd love to talk to you more about that. Um, but looking at Jesus's actions and seeing that play out at City Hope, I invite you to look at the ways it plays out in other places in your life as well. Where can you go wide and deep um, here at City Church? Where can you go wide and deep um, in your family, which can be a hard place to do that? Um, in your workplace and in any other spaces that you may occupy. Um, through Jesus' actions, the disciples saw a glimpse of the kingdom of God. And through the gift of the Holy Spirit, Jesus promises us that we're empowered to do those things too. Um, so, you know, when, when the disciples saw the witness of Jesus, they saw going wide and deep. And I hope that that's what they see um, that's what the world sees when they, they look at all of us, right? When we move out into the world, I hope that we do so in a way that is restorative to the communities around us. It's in our reach and our ability to think outside of our own neighborhood, our own gender, our race, our ethnicity, um, to go wider and likewise to draw nearer with people, um, knowing that our restoration is tied up with that of others. Um, and in all of this, we just ask for the continued point out of the power of the Holy Spirit to do this good work. Um, so let me pray for us as we think about ways that we can go wide and deep, um, and as we continue to pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you did not leave us alone, that when Jesus ascended, you promised the Holy Spirit, and then you poured it out on us in order for us to be restorative witnesses in the world. Help us to follow Jesus' example of going wide and deep, of loving our neighbors well, of loving each other well, and of seeking our liberation and the liberation of all the people around us. Lord, guide us in this work and keep our eyes on the kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.